Uh, good evening. It's it's really good to uh, uh, to see you all this evening. Uh, thanks for coming out. Um, we're looking at Exodus 16. This has been uh, this has been announced. Exodus uh, chapter 16, uh, and we are continuing in the uh, the journey of the the nation of Israel. They have been redeemed. They have been rescued from from Egypt. They have been taken from there as slaves, uh, redeemed out of the land. They have gone through the Red Sea. Uh, they are making their journey towards the promised land. And an issue has arose. Uh, where are they going to get food from? And, uh, and, and that is, that is the, the problem of our, our passage this evening. So we'll read in Exodus chapter 16 and verse 1. And the word of God says, And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness, and the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we had sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full, for ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day, they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be as twice as be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto all the children of Israel, At even then you shall know that the Lord hath brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning then you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hath heard, uh, for he hears your murmurings against the Lord. And what are we that you murmur against us? And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat. And in the morning, bread to the full, for that the Lord hears your murmurings, uh, which ye murmur against him, and what well, are, are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. And Moses spake unto Aaron, say unto all the children of, uh, all the congregation of the children of Israel, come near uh, before the Lord, for he hath heard your murmurings. And it came to pass, as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. Speak unto them, saying, At even ye shall eat flesh, and in the morning ye shall be filled with bread, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. And it came to pass that in the evening the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay round about the host. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to, uh, one to another, It is manna, for they did not know what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. This is the thing where, which the Lord hath commanded. Gather of it every man according to his eating an omer. For every man according to the number of your persons, take ye every man for them which are in his tent. And the children of Israel did so and gathered some more some less. And when they did meet it with an omer, he that gathered much had nothing over, and he that had gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. 
uh, or according to his need. And Moses said, let no man leave it off uh, till the morning. Notwithstanding, uh, they hearkened not unto Moses, but some of them left it uh, until the morning and it bred worms and stank and Moses was wroth with them. And they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating. And when the sun waxed hot, it melted. And it came to pass that on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for one man. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. And he said unto them, this is that which the Lord hath said. Tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which you will bake today and seethe that which you will seethe. And that which remaineth over lay up for you to be kept until the morning. And they laid it up until the morning and Moses bathed and it did not stink. Neither was there any worms therein. And Moses said, eat that today for today is a Sabbath unto the Lord. Today you shall not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it. But on the seventh, which is the Sabbath, in it there shall be none. And it came to pass that there went out some of the people on the seventh day to gather and they found none. And the Lord said unto Moses, how long refuse you to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord hath given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he giveth uh, you on the sixth day the bread of two days. Abide ye every man in his place. Let no man go out of his, of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. And the house of Israel called the name thereof manna. And it was like coriander seed, white. And the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. And Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord commanded. Uh, Fill an omer of it to be kept for the generations that you may see the bread wherewith I have fed you in the wilderness when I brought you forth from the land of Egypt. And Moses said unto Aaron, take a pot and put an omer full of manna therein and lay it up uh, before the Lord and to be kept for your generations. And the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept and the children of Israel did eat manna 40 years until they came to the land inhabited. They did eat manna until they came unto the borders of the land of Canaan. Now an omer is the tenth part of an ephah. So that is our reading this evening. That is the word of, of God and a lengthy reading, but um, uh, but there wasn't too much, maybe a little bit of repetition, but I thought it'd be helpful to read that and to consider uh, this evening uh, a wonderful uh, section uh, of, as we see, uh, that, that that question, as I said, of, of whether the Lord, how the Lord was going to be able to feed all these people. Uh, you know, the, really this question comes down to the, the character of God. What type of God do we have? What type of God does the, did the nation of Israel have? Uh, he was a God that not only was able to redeem them, but he was able to keep them. Not only did he save them out of Egypt, but he was able to sustain them through the wilderness. And and so, the, but that is the, that is the question that 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 is that is raised by the people. It's a really a question of the character of God, and and it really wasn't a good question. You know, the people had seen the wonders of of what God had done for them, and and yet they 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 lacked trust that God could keep them. And and Moses, he was he was he was kind of at his wit's end with them already. You know, the, the people, they, they had a lack of faith. Um, Psalm 78, which um, some of the verses speak of this incident and, and it says there, they spoke against God and they said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? You know, how is God in this wilderness place, in this barren place, how is he going to be able to sustain his people? And, and the answer is 
given quite emphatically that yes, God can. Uh, and, and he did so by this manna that was given. And it was given daily for the, the people each day that they were in the wilderness until the day that they entered into uh, the promised land. We have some pictures of the Lord Jesus here in our passage. We've thought of some already in our in our uh, in our studies in Exodus. You know, uh, you know, maybe one of the most well known ones in the Passover, the Passover lamb, speaking of Christ. We think of that blood that was shed, and so the lamb is associated with with redemption. The manna here. This is a this is a picture of Christ, and this is associated with satisfaction, and and the Sabbath. Well, that's a picture of the of rest, the rest that we can have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have these two uh, these two um, pictures in our passage this evening, the, the picture of the manna and the picture of the Sabbath. And we're going to think about what they are. Uh, we're going to think about them uh, for the Israelites, but we're going to think about how they apply to us as well this evening. You know, the people were quick to forget the goodness of God. And sometimes we can be like that, can't we? Uh, that God can, can act in a wonderful way. And we thought about that uh, this morning we, uh, as Paul kind of brought before us from Romans 8. You know, the, 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 the blessing that we have in Christ and all that, that God has done for us. And, and yet sometimes we are, we are, we are quick to forget the, the, the goodness of God and, and how he cares for us. And, and that was the people, they had forgotten what God had done for them. Well, this manna that came down, this manna that was to be collected uh, each day, uh, what, what was it? That's what the people asked anyway. That's what the people asked. Uh, and so what was it? It was, it was small and it was, it was round. It was, it was like coriander seed uh, or it was like, um, we see in verse 14 there, uh, it was maybe like, like pearls, you know, small round thing. Uh, and and there it was on the ground. Uh, we we know something of its taste. Verse thirty one tells us that it was sweet. It was sweet like a like a like a wafer of honey, and and uh, it was it was something that was sweet to eat. Uh, where did it come from? Where did it come from? It, it came down from from the Lord. Verse fifteen. Uh, it came down from uh, the Lord. Moses says, "This is the bread which the Lord hath given you." To eat, uh, and and we see as well from from Psalm seventy eight that it came down from heaven, that it came down from heaven. You can look at those verses later, maybe, but um, it came down from heaven. So that is what it was. Uh, that's what it looked like anyway. That's what it tasted like. That's where it came from. Uh, but of course, when we think of manna, uh, we 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 don't need to read too much in our New Testaments to understand that this is a wonderful picture of. Of Christ, and so you might want to turn just briefly to to John six because we're going to just think just about first of all the, the 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 symbolism of what this manna was this manna a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, you know sometimes when we look at the Old Testament we see these pictures or types. Uh, we are thinking about uh, sometimes things that are quite easy to kind of maybe look at or are things that are explicitly mentioned in our new testament uh, that these are types and so this is an example and um, where the lord jesus clearly makes it known that he is the fulfillment of this manna you know it's not always quite as simple uh, we have other types other pictures in our old testament 
that maybe need to a bit more digging. Uh, we think of Joseph, for instance, and many others uh, that maybe aren't explicitly mentioned in our New Testament, but we see them as types, as pictures um, uh, that, are, that are later fulfilled or will be fulfilled. And so uh, uh, in, in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 6, there's the feeding of the 5,000, a similar problem. You know, there is a lot of people um, and 5,000 men, women and children besides, and there's no food. There's no food. And, and, and you know, the Lord says, you know, um, he, he asked them, you know, where can we buy bread for, for, that they may eat? And Philip, you know, he kind of says, you know, even, even you know, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them. It would only give them a little bit of bread. And, you know, it was a similar problem. Uh, and yet the Lord um, provides for them and he provides food. And remember, there are those 12 baskets that are left over. Um, and he um, provides abundantly uh, for the people that they may eat. Uh, but then the next day they are, they are speaking, um, verse 26, the Lord Jesus says to them, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. And the Lord says, Labor not for the meat which perishes, but for that meat which endures unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Verse 32, Verily, verily, I say unto you, uh, Moses gave you not the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which comes down from heaven and gives life unto the world. Verse 35, I am the bread of life, he that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. And, and, and so the Lord here is saying, he is making it clear that, that, that this manna that the nation of Israel received it was a picture of him. It was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we think of the manna and, and the picture of Christ, the word I want to just um, for us to, to have in our minds and to, to remember is the word satisfaction, satisfaction. You know, when we looked at in Exodus 16, it said the people were filled. They were filled with the bread. Yeah, it satisfied them. Um, but then the next day the, the, they needed more bread and they needed more manna. They needed another fill. Um, and so it satisfied somewhat, but not completely. Uh, but when we look at the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we see someone, we see a man who, who says that he is the bread of life. And he offers something which is far better than bread each day. Yeah, he wants us to, to verse 27, he speaks to, he speaks to these people and he says, don't, don't worry about the, the meat that perishes. But, but try and get, he says, get that meat that is going to endure unto everlasting life. Get the food, get the substance that is going to give eternal life. Something that is, that is lasting. Something that is satisfying. And that is able to satisfy us completely. And so, he of course, was speaking about himself. And, and true satisfaction, and we thought about that a bit this morning. Uh, true satisfaction is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, you know we, 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 need to, 
we need to, to find our, we need to work and, 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 and develop our, our love and our, our desire for the Lord. And we need to be people who have, have find our satisfaction in him. You know, when we look at the psalmist, we, we see uh, that the psalmist in Psalm 119, he was like this. He said, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Or verse 103 of the same chapter, how sweet are the words unto, are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. You know, the manna, that was, that was sweet like honey. That was enjoyable. But, but the psalmist here says that, that God's word, the words of Christ, they, they are something that brings greater uh, satisfaction. They are sweeter than honey. You know, and, and, and we, we, we need to be people that are, I, I think, and I look at myself, I speak to myself, that, 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 that find our satisfaction daily in, in the Lord Jesus. You know, someone said this, he said, our longing is not to re-experience the joy we had when we first beheld him. That is when we first became a Christian. You know, many of us can remember the joy that that was as we trusted in Christ. And he says, our longing is not to re-experience that joy but to experience new joy through a greater knowledge of him. He says, we are not addicts chasing the first high because the same dose does not give us much pleasure. Rather, this is the picture he wants for us. We are climbers ascending a mountain to see more of its beauty. And, and that is the Christian. The Christian is the one who, who descends, uh, ascends the mountain further to see more of the beauty. And as we more read and more consider the, the loveliness of Christ, we find more satisfaction in him. Psalm 90 says, Oh, satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. You know, the people in, in Exodus 16, um, they, they, they were told not only were they going to get manna, uh, but they, they were told there was going to be quails. There was going to be this meat uh, that they were going to be able to eat. Verse 13 of, of Exodus 16. And it came to pass in the evening, the quails came up and covered the camp. Uh, and then in the morning, the Jew lay round about the host. You know, and, and the quails were given here. And I think really not every day were the quails given. The manna was given every day to, to sustain them. The quails were given here. We read later in Numbers 11 that quails again are given and we see the, the wrath of God uh, on that occasion. Um, but it is the manna that is, that is, that is given to them to, to satisfy them. Yeah, it says in verse 12, he says that even you shall eat flesh. And in the morning, you shall be filled with bread. Do you notice the difference there? They're going to eat in the evenings, but they're going to be filled in the mornings. And it is the bread that is going to bring full, uh, 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 that is going to fill them. It is bread that is going to satisfy them. And that is the difference between the quails and the manna. Uh, the, the, the manna speaks of Christ and he is the only one that is able to satisfy us. And, 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 and as believers... Yeah, that is still true. You know, that is true as we, as we preach the gospel, isn't it? Uh, but as believers, it is Christ and it is only Christ that is able to give us true satisfaction. Psalmist in Psalm 16, 
well-known verse, Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of, God, of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. What did, what did Paul say in Colossians 3? If you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. We need to, to lift up our eyes. Uh, and we need to, to set our, 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 our face and set our mind on Christ and look to enjoy him. And this isn't an academical thing. Because this affects the way we live. When we, when we look to find true satisfaction in Christ. It, it affects how we live here on this earth. Think of Hebrews 12. Uh, Hebrews 12, those first two verses. It pictures the, 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 the life as a race. Yeah, and, uh, and it says there, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, uh, and the, the writer here says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us or entangle us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, this, these verses, they speak about getting our focus right and looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Why? Three things from these verses. Three reasons. Three ways in which focusing on Christ and finding our satisfaction in him is going to impact our lives. Firstly, there is distractions. Yeah, the writer here says, let us lay aside every weight. Yeah, these, these aren't sin. These aren't things that are sinful. These are things that weigh us down. The runner gets rid of excess weight. And, and, and these are distractions to our lives. And so we are told to lay aside these weights. You know, sometimes we can be involved in things that, that stop us serving God. They stop us and being involved in God's work. And we need to consider our own lives, not one another's lives, but maybe sometimes, but really we should be considering our own lives. Is there something in my life that is stopping me serving God? Laying aside every weight, but not just things that stop us serving, but maybe there's things in our, in our lives that stop us serving well. Maybe it's not just our time that we need to consider, but our energy. And, and are we... Are we involved in things that, that affect the way we serve God, the way we live for God, whether it's work that we're involved in, different ministries, or maybe it's our character, and, and we find that, 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 that we don't serve well, we don't live well for God when we are, when we are expending our energy on, on, on things that have no eternal value. And, and so we need to get rid of distractions. We need to get rid of distractions. We need to get rid of temptations. Yeah, the verse says, not only let us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which uh, entangles us. And so we need to, to, get, rid of, to get rid of sin. And, 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 and whether it's, you know, sin of the, the eye or sin of the, 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 the tongue, whatever it might be. We need to, in the moment that we are tempted in that sin, to think we have something better we have something better. We have a, a, a satisfaction that is not found in the momentary 
passing pleasures of this world, but we have a satisfaction that is found in heaven and that is found in Christ. And so as we look to to Jesus, as we set our our, our eyes on him, we're going to, to consider our distractions and they're going to seem like worthless things. We're going, to, we're going to see temptations and they're going to seem like worthless things. But, but verse 2 in, in Hebrews 12 also speaks of tribulations, doesn't it? Looking unto Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And, and when we're faced with tribulations, when we're faced with persecution, uh, we can look to, to, to the Lord Jesus. Uh, we can look to him and realize Uh, That it's worth it. It's worth it. When we are persecuted. When we are uh, belittled. Or when we lose out on things. Because of our our faith. Because of our priorities. uh, We can look. And we can look at this satisfaction. That we have in him. And we realise that it's. That it's worth it. Worthless things. And, and we can realize that there is something that is worth it. Someone who is worth it all. And so satisfaction is found in the Lord Jesus. And, and that's what these verses in, in this, this manner, that's what that's speaking about. This idea of satisfaction. Uh, that we can be satisfied in Christ. Well, the, manner, the manner was also a demonstration though of, of God's faithfulness. Of God's faithfulness. Verse 7 um, says uh, the, the, the Lord, um, uh, Moses and Aaron say, verse 7, in the morning, then you shall see the glory of the Lord. In the morning, you shall see the glory of the Lord. You know, uh, the Lord was going to prove his faithfulness to these people uh, on a daily basis. And he was going to prove his faithfulness by providing for them bread. And, you know, the Lord proves his faithfulness to us as well. And uh, I'm sure we can testify to that. We think of well-known verse in Lamentations 3. You know, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. We consider this morning of the the blessings which which we have in the Lord Jesus. And, you know, Ephesians 1 Verse 3 there, blessed be the God of our, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ. You know, and as believers, we have been blessed in a, and we have been shown the faithfulness of God and we can rejoice in that. And, and the, the nation of Israel here, daily they were shown the, the faithfulness of God. Let us not forget that God is faithful to us, He has blessed us, and we need to lay hold of these blessings to enjoy them uh, here. Um, and so, and so, it's a demonstration of God's faithfulness. But the manna was also a test; it was a demonstration of the people's unfaithfulness. Um, verse four: uh, The Lord said to Moses, uh, "He says that I will rain bread from heaven for you." And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them. That I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. And so there was a test. I think there was two ways they, the people failed this test. 
there was the, the, the people failed the test because they kept the manna till the next day. And, and they were told not to. And secondly, the people failed this test because they, they went out on the Sabbath to collect manna when they were told not to. You know, so some of them, they, they kept the manna till the next day. You know, I wonder why they did that. We're, we're not told. Maybe they kept it till the next day because they were, uh, they lacked trust in God. And they thought, you know, God might not give us this bread tomorrow. So I'm going to hold back some. And so maybe they weren't trusting. Maybe, uh, and I think later on we see this, that they had no appetite for the manna. And we see later on in, in Numbers 11, that's the problem, that people are fed up with, with the, the goodness of God. They are fed up with how God has provided for them and they have no appetite for the manna. You know, I wonder if we have an appetite for the word of God. You know, that is how we understand, that is how we grow in our knowledge of him, of the Lord Jesus. Uh, grow in knowledge of our God it is by feeding on his word. You know, do we have an appetite for his word, for the word of Christ? You know, sometimes maybe you've experienced this when you're maybe not enjoying your, your walk, your, your Christian walk, your spiritual walk as much. And you realise you haven't been feeding on God's word. Uh, and God's word is so important for the, for the enjoyment of Christ. We need to be feeding on God's word in order to, to enjoy him. Uh, to, 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 to feed uh, on it. To feed on him. And so we need it for enjoyment. We need it for endurance. Uh, we, need, we need to feed on God's word to, to, to fill us. You know, if if we if we are going on a, a, a to to in a race or if we're um, going on a long walk or whatever it might be, we need to think about what we feed on, don't we? Uh, and maybe you've experienced when you haven't fit, you know eaten well, and you you maybe come home after some long exercise and you're just craving food because you haven't fed well. You haven't you haven't fed well for the, for for the whatever it was, um, you know, exercise that you were doing. You know, I was thinking of Saul um, in, in 1 Samuel 14. You remember when he uh, tells the, 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 the army, his army, that they, that they weren't to eat anything. Uh, he said, cursed be the man that eats food until evening that I may be avenged of mine enemies. And so none of the people ate any food. And, and, and Saul sent his army, this was really foolish, he sent his, his army into battle and they, they, they weren't allowed to eat they didn't have any food. They didn't have any fuel for the fight. You know, sometimes we act like that, don't we? We go into the battle. We go into the battle that is the Christian life. And we don't go filled with anything. Or Ephesians 6 would put it like this. That we go in without our sword. Yeah? Put on the whole armour of God. That you may be to be stand, uh, withstand in the evil day. And it says, and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You know, we're in a fight. And we need to be armed with the word of God. And we need to be filled with the word of God. That we might have endurance. Uh, not like Saul's foolish command. Uh, we need to be feeding on God's word for enjoyment. For endurance. We need to be reading it. You know, we need to be reading God's word daily. 
We need to be consuming it in some way. Sometimes when I lack discipline, uh, maybe I'm busy and I'm tired. Uh, you know, I, I listen to God's word. And I am sure that listening to God's word for me is not as good as reading. But I am also sure that it is far better than not consuming, feeding on God's word. And so whatever it might be, however it might be, let's feed on God's word. Whether it's reading in our private time, listening to it, uh, reading books about God's word. um, Whatever it is, we need to be feeding on God's word. We need to be coming to to the meetings of God's people and coming under the sound of God's word. It's a dangerous thing to be... To, to, to not be under the teaching of God's word. And we, we need to. We need to be feeding on it. We need it. You know, there are so many reasons why we must gather. Why we must not be in that camp of those who forsake the assembling together, as some do. There's so many reasons. But for this reason, we need to feed on God's word. We need to feed on God's word. We need to be under the sound of God's word being read under the sound of God's word being taught, that we might be fed for our journey. And so we need to be feeding on it. The word of God is necessary. It is necessary to be saved. Romans 10 tells us, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, whatever it might be, whether it's on a platform preaching, whether it's speaking to our neighbours, whether it's billboards uh, on on the side of our road, we need to be be, um, people who present God's word. Yeah, that's what we should be doing. In fact, it is necessary for us to do. It is necessary to present God's word to people. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. People need to be presented with the word of God. So we need to be um, involved in, in the presentation and the explanation of God's word. And that is for us all. You know, when we, when we speak to someone, our neighbor, our friend, our family member of the gospel, we are wanting to present to them not our own wisdom, not our own thoughts, but we want to get them to the word of God. And we want to explain the word of God to them. And it's so important. So it's necessary to be saved. It's necessary to be strengthened. The psalm is Psalm 119 again. My soul melts for heaviness or, or my soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. Strengthen me according to your word, the psalmist says. The psalmist understands that the word of God is so important in giving us strength for our lives. And so there were some, they had no appetite for the word of God. They had no appetite for the manna. They had no appetite for the things of God. But then there were some who, who, who went out on the Sabbath day. And they were told not to. They were told that on the sixth day, there would be, there would be two lots uh, of food given. Uh, they didn't need to go out, but they went out anyway. Maybe they weren't trusting in God again. Maybe they, were, they thought, that, uh, but, but yet they had, they had the manna back at home, didn't they? They had the manna in their tent for the day. I think they were just greedy. Now we don't have people who have no appetite, but we have those who are, you know, who are, who are gluttons. You know, they're just in it for their own gain. And, and, and they were just in it for themselves. They were in it to what they could get. And so this 
uh, manna was given, not just as a sign of God's faithfulness, but it was given to prove the people's unfaithfulness. There was also a responsibility, just before we move on to the, the Sabbath, the picture of the Sabbath. I want to just consider the responsibility there was. Verse 16, you see that every man had to go and to gather for his household. And, and there was a responsibility uh, for the man to bring the food back and to provide for, for his family. You know, and as we think of manna, as we think of manna's picture in Christ, and we think again of how we might know Christ, it is through his word. Therefore, I want to just apply this and say that, you know, it is important that our homes are places where the word of God is taught. And, and the word of God must be upheld, but more than that, it must be taught. And it is the responsibility primarily of the husband or the father to teach in the home. They have that responsibility. That's not, I am not certainly not deriding the role that mothers have in the home. So important. But it is the responsibility uh, of, of, the, of the, the husband or the, the father in the home that the word of God is, is taught. You know, some of us have been, I guess, thinking about 1 Corinthians 14 uh, recently. I don't want to get into that, that verse, but I just want to read it. And then the verse that follows, it says, Let your women keep silent in the churches. It is not permitted unto them to speak, for they are commanded to be under obedience. And it says this, If they were to learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. Let them ask their husbands at home. You see, there must have been uh, in, in Corinth the, the opportunity for, for discussion of the word of God. Uh, questions must have been an, asked and, and answers given. And, and, and here Paul is saying that the women are to keep silent. Um, but not just left, to, left and, and not taught. When they go home, their husbands are to teach them. Their husbands are to teach them. Let them ask their husbands at home. And so it is the responsibility of the husbands, to the, the fathers, to, to, to teach and to make sure that the word of God is taught in our homes. I speak to myself more than anyone. So let's move on to the Sabbath, just in closing. The Sabbath, you know, the, the, the Sabbath day was uh, the Saturday. It was the day that the, the, the people were told that there was not going to be any manna. And, you know, I thought that was a bit strange. Uh, maybe you do too. Maybe you don't. You know, I thought there was other ways maybe God could have, could have done this. Maybe he could have um, given them seven days worth of manna on the Sunday. You know, maybe you get your messages once a week. And, and maybe they could have done that, you know, and it would have had a best before day of seven days down the line. And, and as long as they ate it within the week, it would be fine. But that's not how the Lord designed it. And that was for a reason. Uh, each day there was to be manna there to be collected other than the Sabbath day. And, and the, the, the manna that, that had a 24-hour expiry date on it somehow, miraculously, seemed to last for 48 hours. And, and so it is, uh, the Lord here is introducing this idea of the Sabbath. And, and if, if satisfaction is associated with manna, the word that we want to associate with Sabbath, I would suggest, is the word rest. 
That is the, that is the key word, I think, when we think about Sabbath. We're talking about resting. You know, there's lots of maybe things that people say about the Sabbath and, and uh, other words like worship and things like this. But, but the key word here is, is rest. Yeah, that on the Sabbath day, there was to be rest. It was, it was found, I, I guess we, we see the first um, kind of small picture of this Sabbath in the, in, the, in the very first week of creation. And we see that the Lord, he, uh, God, he, he, he worked and created for six days and then he rested. Hebrews 4 speaks about this. Hebrews 4 develops a bit more about the rest that the believer has. It says there in Hebrews 4.10 um, about entering into the rest as God did from his. And that's speaking about the days of creation. It's speaking on how on the seventh day God rested. And in, similar, in a similar way, the people were to rest on the seventh day, on the Sabbath day, on the, on the Saturday. It was a, 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 it was a command given to the Israelites we have to take this context into, into account. It's a command given here to the Israelites. It's given to them that they might rest on the Sabbath day. But just like the manna was a picture, so the, the Sabbath is a picture. And, and if the Sabbath speaks of rest and the people physically resting, uh, when we turn to Hebrews 4, we, we see there that, that really it finds its fulfillment in the rest that the believer has in Christ. The believer has in Christ. That, that's the fulfillment of it. That's the fulfillment of it. The rest that Hebrews 4 speaks about, it says there in verse 9, there remains therefore a rest to the people of God. That is that there remains yet a rest to come. And so when we think about the rest that the believer has, primarily we're thinking about a future rest. But there is a sense in which we can enter into that rest now. You know, we sing in our, we maybe sing in our hymn books, verse, uh, hymn 37 says, At rest through Jesus' blood, at rest from self and sin, saved and at peace with thee, O God, we boldly enter in. And, and, and in a way, we, are, we, we have entered into some of the blessings that that rest um, will give us today. We have already entered it. We can enter into that rest. We can enter into the rest from works. You know, that, that we don't need to do anything but resting in Christ, resting in his work at Calvary, we can have salvation. And so we have entered into that rest. But, but the rest is speaking of a, a future rest. You know, it's a bit like when the children of, uh, of Israel went into the land. You, you remember the, the, the land, uh, when they went in, the manna, it ceased. You know, 40 years they had eaten it. Uh, and the manna ceased. They, they, they went into the land and they ate of the corn of the land, the old corn, the, the, the corn that was there. And they enjoyed somewhat of the blessing of the land. But it was not until Joshua 21, when, the nation, when, the, when, when Israel had subdued all the nations round about, that the Lord then say, that, that it says there in Joshua 21, and the Lord gave them rest round about. They had entered somewhat into the, the goodness of the land, but they weren't at rest. They weren't fully at rest. And so it is with the believer. You know, we, have, we can somewhat enter into the goodness of that rest. But there's a rest future for us. 
I'm glad of that. I'm glad the rest that we have now is not at all. We're going to have a rest that is future. We're going to have a rest as we sing that is in heaven. My rest is in heaven. My rest is not here. First Peter uh, says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. You know, we have a future hope. The believer has a future hope. A future hope that we will, um, that, that is waiting for us, that we will enter into. It's a hope of a crown of joy. It is a hope of a, uh, to, to awake in, in Christ's likeness. And it is all, t- all tied up in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and we might think of more of the Sabbath as we go on in our studies. Uh, but the Sabbath is that wonderful, a wonderful picture of the rest which we will yet enjoy when we are with our Saviour and we are like him. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we uh, give you thanks for our time this evening. We give you thanks for your word. We give you thanks for your son. Our Father, we pray that you might uh, burden us to be people who are in your word, uh, that we might find our joy and our delight uh, in him and in uh, your word. Father, we pray for this. We give you thanks for uh, our time spent around your word this evening. We think of the food which we're about to receive and we give you thanks for it, Father. We acknowledge that you have blessed us uh, with it. And uh, we think of so many uh, in our world, even in our country this evening, who uh, have so little. And we, we acknowledge that the, these good things come from you. We pray that you would bless it to us. And we pray that you would bless our time together uh, as we have fellowship. And we give you thanks uh, for, for Emma and for her time that she has been with us. Uh, for how she has served us and have been a help to us. And we pray that you might bless her and Andy in their, their marriage, Father. So we, we, we pray for these things and we give you our thanks in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Amen.